Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Ladies and gentlemen, going through the door with his entourage waiting out in my living room, we have now the one, the only, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Hi, buddy. Hi. I, You know, I've got to say right off the bat, Zeb, I appreciate those people that have been giving me suggestions. I have a list of you shows. You gave me a suggestion, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but the suggestions I get are really, really good. <laughs> so I appreciate you folks that are giving me suggestions so here's one amy amy thank you very much she is going to actually send me a book about the railroad wars in santa in the santa fe and rio grand rio grand railroad wars what do you mean railroad wars well, that's hard I, to say is it know. railroad wars and i'm not really sure but there's a book about it wasn't there a movie with joel mccray about the wars with the railroads to where they were trying to beat each other to a certain destination point well, or something the, the uh, uh transcontinental you know yeah, they tried to yeah. but th- this is different and christopher after we did a show on hats he told me he wears a cowboy hat so his kids fi- can find him in a <laughs> Where's he from? I'm back east. Okay. <laughs> then I got to say, Lori, thank you very much. She is a relative of the person that we are going to do a show on today that she suggested. And I'm going to bet you probably have heard of this guy, Zeb. Snowshoe Thompson? Oh, yes. Yeah. By the way, I wanted to compliment you. You did a program uh, about maybe two months ago on Bass Reeves. Yes. He is now one of the featured, uh, I guess, uh, historical people that they feature on that uh, television show, The Old West History or whatever. He's going to be one of the features. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 He's, uh, and you know, these are people... I, I like to bring out to the people so they know the history of our country. Now, we got invited some places last week, too. We got invited to, where is it at in Wyoming? I can never... Uh, Thermopolis? Thermopolis. See, I've got a better memory than you, and I'm <laughs> older in, than you. We've been invited to Virginia City, Nevada. We've yeah. been invited right. to uh, the uh, Sutter's Fort. What we need to do is just jump in the pickup and go. Just and, head and out. And start touring. Yeah. Take your wife, I'll take my wife, and we'll go. That, All expenses paid by, by Kim you. Lee of Lee Family Broadcasting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to love that. Yeah. All right, let's get on with Snowshoe. Okay. Snowshoe Thompson, one of the most intriguing heroes of California's history. From 1856 to 1876, 20 years, he made a legendary 90-mile trek over snowdrifts up to 50 feet high. Oh, my. Through blizzards with up to 80-mile-per-hour winds. It sounds like Idaho, doesn't it? Ooh, right now. To deliver mail to those living in isolation, he was the sole link between California and the Atlantic states during those long winters. He did it afoot? Yeah. Well, I'll, we'll, I'll explain that to you. So at the age of 10, his name was John Torstenson Rue. Say that real fast. Torstenson Rue. <laughs> later changed to John A. Thompson. There you go. So he came to America with his family from Norway, so obviously a Norwegian name. They settled on a farm in Illinois. The family moved on to Missouri, then Iowa, and eventually John went to stay with his brother in Wisconsin. Then gold fever struck. In 1851, at the age of 24, Thompson drove a herd of milk cows to California and settled in Placerville. Oh, my. For a 
short while, he mined in a place called Kelsey Diggins, Coon Hollow, and Georgetown. And with the small amount he saved, he bought a small ranch at a place called Puta Creek in the Sacramento Valley. What was the name of it again? Puta, P-U-T-A-H. I I never heard of it. I haven't either, so it must be fairly small. Yeah. Anyway, all all attempts by postmen to cross the Sierra on the woven Canadian and Native American snowshoes had failed until one day late in 1855, Snowshoe Thompson saw an ad in the newspaper, the Sacramento Union. And it said, quote, People lost to the world. Uncle Sam needs a mail carrier. He had had personal experience himself with not getting mail because it took so long for news of the flu epidemic to reach him and found out that his mother had passed away Oh, because it my. took so long for the mail. Wow. But anyway, as a young child in the Telemark region of Norway, ski-shaped snowshoes, they were actually called ski skates, were as common as ordinary shoes, and a crowd formed in Placerville for his first mail run in January of 1856. Now, a lot of people did not have faith that he would make it over the 7,500-foot passes. He went by himself a foot over those passes. On his homemade 10-foot-long, 25-pound oak skis. 10 feet long, Zeb. And 25 pounds. Yeah. But one good voice in the crowd yelled out, Good luck, Snowshoe Thompson. And he set out to become a legendary postman and father of California skiing. Now, two to four times a month for 20 winters, regardless of the weather, Snowshoe Thompson set out at the appointed hour. His mail run took three days from Placerville to a place called Mormon Station, Utah, which later became, in Nevada, a a town called Genoa. Wait a minute. It used to be in Utah, right. and then they... And then re- when Nevada became a state, oh. it was in Nevada. Whereabouts is that? It's, it's got to be on that eastern side somewhere, yeah. Genoa. I was going to look that on the map, and I forgot to do that. But it took three days over, two days to come back. Holy Now, cow. the people of the Pioneer Settlement knew when to expect his arrival. In fact, when there was bacon in, baking in the oven and meals on the table, everybody would leave it and run out because uh, they'd look up at the top of Genoa Peak and watch this tall, blonde Norseman. He'd come streaking down with snow flying uh, from his skis. No kidding. And Thompson always wore a Mackinac jacket a wide-brimmed hat, and he covered his face in charcoal to prevent snow blindness. He carried, get this, uh, no blankets, but he did carry matches to start fires and his Bible. He snacked on dried sausage, jerked beef, crackers and biscuits. When a storm stopped him from uh, going, he would find a flat rock, cleared of snow, and get this, dance old Norwegian folk dances until the storm passed. Then he'd continue on his way. Now, how did he prove that he did that? <laughs> That's what he said, and I believe him. Okay. Okay. Now, he, he rested uh, briefly and usually only long enough to have a crust to form back over the fresh snow, which made it easier to go. Dan DeQuill of the Virginia City Territorial Enterprise paper later wrote of Thompson, quote, he flew down the mountainside. He did not ride astride his pole, which he carried a pole, not two I was going to ask you, he poles. didn't have ski poles. No, he had a pole, okay? And uh, he did, didn't drag it to one side, as the, was the practice of other snowshoers, but he held it horizontally bef- in front of him like a tightrope walker, 
Okay, so his appearance, as uh, this guy says, was graceful, swaying his. He didn't balance. go between many trees, did no, he? No, not too close. His appearance was graceful, swaying his balance, pulled to one side and the other in a ma- in a manner that a soaring eagle dips its wings. That's what was in the newspaper. Holy cow! Now you got to. I know you're going to ask this, Zeb. So grizzly bears, yeah, mountain lions and wolves. He didn't carry a gun. Don't get ahead of me, Zeb. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Roamed his path. And the next sentence, but he carried no gun. He did not carry a gun. He wasn't the sharpest knife well, in the drawer, was he? Well, here's the thing, Zeb. He didn't want to limit the weight of mail and the supplies. And a gun, you know, would be what? Eight to ten pounds? Oh, I don't or, know. Or I mean, so. even if he had even a, a cold pistol, 45 or something. wouldn't have been too bad. Oh. So on one trip, he came upon a pack of wolves feeding on a deer carcass. When they noticed him, they sat up on their haunches and howled. Snowshoe kept his pace, expecting them to attack at any minute, and flew right by them. When he looked back, they'd return to the carcass. Not his. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was obvious. That was obvious. So, anyway, you know, much of his Viking ancestors had traveled on unmarked uh, areas. Snowshoe Thompson crossed the Sierra Mountains, whose landmarks were buried in the snow. He didn't use a compass, once stating in an interview, quote, there is no danger of getting lost in a narrow range of mountains like the Sierra if a man has his wits about him. Oh, my goodness. You know, this guy, he must have had the strongest legs oh, in the world. Yeah, yeah, uh, just amazing. I mean, uh, but so here's what he did, you know, no compass and... Uh, you know how it is up in the mountains. You lose direction. Easy, uh, especially if you're in a snowstorm. Yeah, landmarks. Yeah. So so here's what he did. He could tell his direction by day from the appearance of trees and rocks, the flow of the mountain streams, animal tracks, and snow drifts. By night, the formation of the stars guided him. Now, this this guy was amazing. I, like I say, I've been in the mountains in snow, and you can get turned around. Uh, I have. Really yes. easily. Really yep, easily. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Snowshoe Thompson often rescued prospectors caught in the snow and would carry them out on the back of his skis as they held their arms around him. So can you picture that? No. The guy is standing on the on Snowshoe Thompson's skis, behind, they're ten feet long. Yeah, and so he's standing with his feet behind Snowshoe Thompson's. Oh, he's standing on the right, skis. standing on the skis with his arms around Snowshoe's waist. So he has to keep pace. How big was this guy? He he, he must have been a fairly good sized guy. They Strong. said he, they said he was tall. And uh, he says one well-known incident took place just before Christmas in 1856 when he found a trapper named James Sisson who had been sheltering with a half-frozen feet in a deserted cabin for 12 days. He had no food or fire. Thompson chopped him some wood to stay warm and set out to Genoa for help. Now, he had to carve skis and give lessons to the rescuers who agreed to accompany him. Once back in Genoa, the doctor reported that Sisson's feet needed to be amputated, but he had no chloroform. Thompson set out at once uh, again to go to Placerville, but there was none to be found, so he continued on to Sacramento. In all, he traveled 400 miles in 10 days and saved Sisson's life. Holy smoke. we got a caller. Have yeah. you got time for a quick call? Yeah. Okay, caller, real fast. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. I'll make it quick. Genoa is just south of Carson City, 
near Lake Tahoe. Oh. It is an unincorporated area of Douglas County, and there is a place there called Mormon Station State Historical Park. Thank oh. you. Hey, thank you. you thank thank you. you. God bless you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Okay. So uh, his mail sack often weighed up to 100 pounds, Woo. carrying medicine, emergency supplies. Now, this was not just mail, Zeb. He carried medicine, emergency supplies, clothing, books, tools, pots and pans. Once he brought in a pack of needles and a glass chimney for a kerosene lamp so a widow, Mrs. Franklin, could continue her winter sewing. <laughs> this is in a backpack? Well, I, I don't know how he carries it all, but okay, so here's another thing. For a local fiddler, a guy named Richard Cosser, he brought new strings. And for the new starved miners, he carried the type and newsprint for Nevada's first newspaper, the Territorial Enterprise, piece by piece. The first issue went to press December 18th, 1858. So he was a packed horse in a way how how long and how often did he make these two to two to every two to, uh two to four times a month wow so now in 1859 thompson was asked to take a strange blue rock which seems to be kind of devaluing the miners gold dust to sacramento to have it assayed it was rich in silver the comstock load had now been discovered signaling an end to the California gold rush and the 49er era. But a new stampede began, this time going from west to east, and Thompson was asked to expand his mail route to Virginia City year-round. So that's quite, quite, a, quite a trek. Now, as legends of snowshoe Thompson's feet spread through the isolated regions of the Sierra, others began making skis and racing down the hills. For a short time during the building of the Central Pacific Railroad, he carried the mail from Cisco to Meadow Lake during the winter of 1867-68. One of the most severe in history, 3,000 people were met with an unexpected storm and ended up wintering in at a place called Meadow Lake City. So... One of the worst winters in history, and he still kept going. He still kept going. Yeah. Now, a guy named Clarence Wooster wrote in a letter that Thompson would, quote, now, now picture this, Zeb, okay? <laughs> Sail down his four-mile course at great speed, cross the ice-frozen frozen river, throw our mail toward the house, and glide out of sight up and over a hill, by the momentum gathered in the three-mile descent. So he basically, woo, yeah. and away he goes. <laughs> yeah. He came down this. Hi, see you next yeah. and, and just, you know, if he stopped, you'd have to climb that other hill. Oh, I can just picture that. you? So, and this is all verified, bona fide, yeah, true. Exactly. Holy cow. Mr. Wooster further explained in his letter how he and some kids once gave into their temptation of turning Snowshoe's frozen tracks into a sled run. They shot down the mountain like rockets and, quote, the skis held to the track, but three of the kids went tumbling down a steep mountain. When Thompson heard of the incident, he searched out the kids and gave them a spanking they never forgot. Really? <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. But 
Uh, yeah, he was quite a guy. But what happened to him? Okay. You're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a variety of stories of how and when Thompson, uh, Thompson met his wife, an English woman by the name of Ang- Agnes Singleton. When he was going by people that fast, how did he have time I, to have I, a courtship? I, that's why it says we, there's different stories. Oh, I see. <laughs> we don't know. But she'd come to America with her stepmother, but they were married in 1866. However, uh, we really don't know where they were married, but they settled on the property that Thompson had homesteaded for a few years uh, earlier in a place called Diamond Valley, Alpine County. Mm. I, I, I should have looked these places up on the map, but anyway, it's just east and at the foot of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, five miles to the west of Carson Valley. Ah, so okay. that may give us a better Fairly idea. Fairly close to Carson City, it sounds I, I, like. I would think yeah. so, yeah. But uh, he was deeply involved in the land and its uses. Thompson raised grain, wheat, oats, hay, and potatoes. As he explained in letters to his family, the only fruits he could grow were gooseberries and currants because of the late spring and the early frost, but he actually constructed irrigation ditches from the West Fork of the Carson River to his ranch that are still in service today. No kidding. In the winter, he cared for, cared for, besides all that he did, he cared for 90 head of cattle and 20 horses. Half of these were his own. The rest were boarded uh, for others who lived higher up in the mountains. You're so they would me. bring him down to him wow. for the winters. What a guy. Now, uh, I've I looked online, and there are descendants of, of Thompson, and this lady, uh, Amy, uh, uh, or no, uh, Lori, I'm sorry, uh, is, a, is a relative, a distant relative of his, but they only had one child, and his name was Arthur Thomas, and he was born in 1867. His father could hardly wait to take him snowshoeing, and he made him a tiny pair of shoes for his first birthday. Uh, Thompson enjoyed teaching his neighbors how to make snowshoes. He gave them lessons and offering exciting demonstrations of his jumps at the top of Silver Mountain. Just as it seemed he was going to run into the onlookers midway down the slope, he would spring up in the air, flying right over them with a wide smile. In one of his races, he skied 1,600 feet in 21 seconds. And they figured that's about 55 miles an hour. That's fast. That's fast. Uh, and they didn't have safety bindings. They uh, just had probably a piece of leather going over it's his tied feet. tied on. And his greatest jump was known to be 180 feet in 1870. You're kidding 180 me. feet. I mean, I wouldn't Whoa. do that in anything. No. So... Anyway, from 1868 to 72, Thompson served on the Board of Supervisors of Alpine County and was delegate to the Republican State Convention in Sacramento in 1871. In spite of a resolution by the Nevada legislature and a trip to Washington, D.C. in 1872, Snowshoe Thompson was never paid for his services delivering the United States mail. Wait a minute. He did it for nothing? Well, I don't think he intended that. They they appealed, but he never got paid. Now Snow- that is absolutely astounding. <laughs> it is. Snowshoe Thompson died of appendicitis, which developed into pneumonia in 1876. So that was the end. Now his son. This is a sad thing too, Zeb. His son Arthur died two years later of diphtheria and was buried next to his father at the cemetery in Genoa. Agnes, his wife, remarried in 1884. But the following year, she had a snow-white marble erected on Snowshoe's grave, and it's engraved with a pair of cross skis and the memento written, Gone, but not forgotten. 
I still can't imagine. I only got a minute left, okay, but I still then, can't imagine how he wasn't paid. Okay, let me let me read this real quick. I just got a little bit left. The the general postmaster named McKinsey said, "Quote." Most remarkable man I ever knew, that Snowshoe Thompson, he must be made of iron. Besides, he never thinks of himself, but he'd give his last breath for anyone else, even a total stranger. The few times Thompson had thought of putting an end to his legendary Snowshoe Express, he continued just for the look on the faces of the people living in isolation, hundreds of thousands from all parts of the globe, emigrated to California in search of gold, but few left such heartfelt mark on the Golden State's history as John A. Snowshoe Thompson. Did he do it in the summertime, too? You know, I, I don't know that. But I I almost think that he probably didn't because by then, you know, they could have uh, stages and riders and one thing or another. So wow. that's a good question, and I, I, I don't know How that. How could they possibly not pay the man for his services? You know, I, it's an amazing story. You know, I heard about him. I read about him when I was a teenager years ago, and until uh, Lori suggested it, I'd kind of forgotten about him. But my, my, what an amazing my. man. That was a great story. Yeah, and what a Lori, hero. And, Lori, if you're listening, thank you for your help. Yes, thank you.